There are birds who say that life is an illusion and that reality is simply a figment of the imagination. Look who the birds have brought us this week. Welcome and congratulations for crossing the threshold of realities. There's much to share if you know the language of the birds. Welcome back to the God Box Cafe. In celebration of a new astrological year, accompanied by an Aries new moon, I bring you the following interview that will be delightful and fascinating. I am your audio architect and host, Valkyrie, and we are going to give you some ear candy that I can't even possibly describe, and you'll have to experience it directly. The individual who is going to make this manifest is Mur de Marmion, a vibrational healer teacher, visionary, energy artist, writer, and all-round spiritual mutt, as she describes herself, who embraces many healing practices and spiritual disciplines. She blends her formal multidisciplinary training in energy and sound and shamanic healing practices with intuition to form the core of her healing practice. Her tools are custom-created tuning forks, Tibetan and crystal bowls, chant and vocal sounding, crystals, and energy art. Collaboration is a favorite way to be of service in large collaborative community, group sacred sound immersions, and ceremonies for celebration and specific focus, and in smaller workshops and retreats on different topics that empower individuals to deepen their own practices. Burr is the creator artist of the Inner Vision Heart Navigation Card Deck, a 52-card deck of light language glyphs of divine feminine energy, which she received over a period of seven years, beginning in 2003, and which she hand-painted. These 52 symbols make up the Inner Vision Heart Navigation Tool, created to be a tool on the path of rediscovering the power of the heart. The deck helps the user create an inner journey back to heart wisdom. She is the author of the e-workbook, The Five Life Passages of Transformation, The Sacred Journey Through Adversity and Challenge, an experiential guide that leads the reader through five passages of meditation, envisioning and journaling to help experience deeper peace around difficult experiences. Murr is also a poet, photographer, and textile artist. Murr, I can't tell you how happy I am to have you on the God Box Cafe. You are so welcome here. My heart to yours. Thank you. I'm delighted. I'm excited and delighted, and I can't wait. <laughs> I have to tell you, with respect to my own shamanic journeying, when I was training, and this is over 20 years ago, after an ordeal that I was put through as part of the process, I did a walking meditation, and the message that came to me was sound will be your salvation. I don't believe for a second that that was meant for me alone, although I have the belief that the message was definitely directed at me. But I really, truly believe in my heart of hearts that the collective is experiencing precisely that. And you are spearheading that amongst the wonderful frontliners <laughs> who are really taking this energy and moving it and shaping it and harnessing it and teaching a new technology with respect to the power and wisdom of the heart. Could you please share with the audience your own personal journey with respect to how you landed uh, where you are right now with respect to sound and its, its value to you? Yes, absolutely. I would love to. I grew up in a very traditional family. I was raised, born, raised Catholic. I went to Catholic schools but I always had dreams, night dreams, where I would interact with individuals that I didn't know who they were, but they would teach me things. And I love to sing and I love to play the piano. I studied piano and I played on my brother's drums and you know anything I could get my hands on. But I led a very traditional mainstream life. I worked in mainstream business for a long time until September 11th. 
was my wake up call. And the day before this happened, a friend of mine was giving me a massage that she stepped back and she said, whoa, you need to study energy work. She said, you've got energy coming out of your body. That's just like, and I'm like, okay. She said, you should study Reiki. All right. So the next day I went to work and we found out about September 11th and that set me into a horrific depression. I mean, I just couldn't fathom what had happened. And long story short, about a month after September 11th, I met my Reiki teacher at work. Now, this was at a job that I should not have gotten. (laughs) So, you know, it was a setup, right? And I knew that this was for me. At the time, I was in Landmark Education. I was going through all their programs, thinking that I was going to be a forum facilitator. And then I took level one Reiki and I can't do Landmark anymore. And so I just went full bore into studying energy and was certified in several different modalities. And it wasn't until I moved to Boulder, Colorado, I went to a light master's conference in Mount Shasta out of the blue. And that's where I connected with my mentor, Randy Masters. And he was the one that played a tuning fork tuned to Sirius B. And I left my body and I had an extraordinary experience out in the cosmos, but also with beings who touched my voice and said, you're going to be singing. When I came back, I just started singing and singing and singing. I just would, I would go (laughs) to big metaphysical events and I would beg a room and I would go in and I had bells and I had a gong and I would just put people in down in and I would just sound. I would just sound and sound and sound and they would come out going, what just happened? So that was the beginning of it. And and it's evolved over the years. I started playing Tibetan and crystal bowls and I played gong for a long time. And I, then I found tuning forks because I contacted Randy and I said, okay, (laughs) that tuning fork that you were playing, (laughs) I have to have it. (laughs) And I told him the experience and he said, you're supposed to have it. And he's been my mentor since, and he's made probably 25 tuning forks for me that I work with now with people individually, you know, in person, because it's hard to mic them. Sometimes if people don't understand that if they, even if they don't feel it, they're still receiving it. It's that tactile experience. So he's, he's just been always been there and there, the subject is just so vast. You know, It just goes on and on and on, <laughs> but that's the gist of it. And that's where I've, I've been. I'm... Given the amount of time you have dedicated to this vocation, how has the reception of this type of modality changed on the part of the public at large or people that gravitate towards you with respect to whatever malady or crisis they're experiencing? Have you noticed any changes as far as how people are accepting this as a legitimate way to rectify something? You know, for myself personally, the last few years have been good and bad. People really like the large gatherings. I do a lot of uh, yoga studios because of the acoustics and people just love coming and, and receiving. And I do some private practice sessions in person, but it really depends on the person. They're usually more spiritually inclined or they're healers themselves, but mainstream people, what I started doing, I was doing intuitive readings with my card deck and I would incorporate the tuning forks at the end. And I would just do the quick little thing and they would be like, what just happened? (laughs) So that was a good way of introducing that to people, but I'm still right now trying to figure out where to go for this, to reach a broader audience. I think the lockdown for COVID has really affected a lot of people as far as being able to experience things in person. And I did some bowl Zoom events for people, but they just were not attended. 
it's a, it's a mixed bag. Perhaps it's a matter of, we were talking earlier about, and your introduction pointed to the fact that a heart navigation is necessary. And it could very well be that for the longest time, thousands of years, in fact, and this is probably culture specific because there are other places in the world that don't have this situation. But for us who are of the mind dependent paradigm, and that we have been conditioned and rewarded to analyze, to make concrete, to approve only by way of sensory information and the notion of scientific replication and proof by way of the same methodology that means if I do this somewhere else and have the same parameters, then I expect the same result. But then quantum physics through that for a loop, and now we're dealing with a paradigm shift. And it could very well be just that people have different comfort levels with respect oh, to yeah. making that shift. Oh, yeah. So the the losing what we've been holding on to, even though it hasn't been particularly healthy or useful, is perhaps what is making this movement towards this reception a little slower. But I know this is the price we pay for being pioneers. You're, <laughs> yes, you're pointing to something that's like, look at this. This is beautiful. This is amazing. And then you've got the glassy-eyed stare. Mm-hmm. And you kind of go, hmm? mm-hmm. Yes. But believe me, I think that momentum is building. And it is. Uh, I'm it certain is. that you are going to find an explosion happening, particularly, I think, with the younger, what I'm noticing where children are concerned is they have a different energetic configuration. It is as though they don't have the karmic debris that we've got to wade through in order to arrive at a point where our hearts are open. They just come in that way. So have you had any direct experiences with how children are responding to this? Actually, I am working with the special needs kids of some friends of mine here. And I taught them Reiki. I taught them level one Reiki as a tool to keep themselves balanced. And then I also do these little sound events. They let them bang on the gongs, you know, and play those. And they play the tuning forks. And then I do a sound immersion. I just put them on yoga mats and, and they love it. They're always asking, when's the next one? When's the next one? So yeah, they really, really love that. And I agree with what you're saying that there's going to be an explosion. And I have a little something I want to share. I have a YouTube channel. There's very few things on there, but there is a video on there that I did way back in, I think it was like 2016, 2017 of a piece of music that I did based on a sound healers. Uh, He was a researcher. And he was working with a client who had cancer and he took a cancer cell and he put it in an electron microscope and he played a certain scale and the cancer cell exploded within 10 seconds. And so I replicated that it was played on a xylophone. So I replicated, I had a, I had a keyboard. You could switch the tunings to different voices. And so I put it on xylophone and I just did my own thing. And then I put the background of my voice in the background of that, played it and it sat there for, I don't know how many years on my YouTube channel. I now have 13,000 hits in the last year. That's People are like, oh my God, I feel so good after this. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Why didn't I find this before? People are getting excited about it. So yes, it's starting. Would you be able to give our audience a little taste of that in in terms of what you've got accessible right now? You mean as far as? Tuning forks or? or... Oh, yes, I can do bowl. bowl, I know it will come through my. Absolutely. Yes. It's a B. It's a B. So it's third eye. There we go.
Oh, thank you so much. That was blissful and magical. And I'm vibrating on all levels. I don't know if I can continue this interview. <laughs> it's so expanded. Thank you so much. It's always wonderful to experience firsthand something that is so, so powerful. Whoa. Oh, thank you for that. I'm glad it was. Uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I get it, too, when I do this. Oh, for sure. How could you not? Yeah. And on such a visceral level, like all of my cells are singing, singing happiness. <laughs> and that is definitely where we need to, to be at in terms of calibration of that frequency and maintaining that frequency. So how would you go about deciding which of your tools would be most appropriate for what a client would be bringing to the table? I usually just check in. I, of course, ask permission to connect with them. And it's interesting. I get places in their bodies that they needed. And sometimes they flash at me, or sometimes it's just a knowing, but I'll just ask, okay, what and where? And it's usually start with a bowl. I put crystals on people, specific crystals on their body. It depends on if they're just coming in for a tune-up or if they have specific issues that are traceable back to a specific event or something that usually helps me a lot in, in knowing how to work with them. And it just evolves. You know, when I'm in the zone, it's just, whew, we just play, we just play and dance. In the event that you're dealing with someone who is releasing deep traumas, uh, mm -hmm. what do you do? when it comes to a follow-through, say uh, a person has really done a lot of releasing and there wasn't a lot of emotion that comes up with that, then what would you suggest or recommend that people do to allow themselves uh, a proper integration of this whole processing? I would suggest a lot of physical movement, like ecstatic movement, because even though it's you release energy from your field, residual in your body and that needs to be released. The best way that I've found is through ecstatic movement or yoga or a hot bath with salt, just about anything would help. But I also connect back with them within a day to see how they're doing. And sometimes I can work with them by phone, help move some energy that is, sometimes when things come up, they get kind of stuck some residual, I call it ash, you know, it just kind of gets there. And so I just smooth it along and, and usually people are fine. I work a lot with individuals with trauma. It's interesting. That was my past in, in childhood. And so working with sound and energy has really helped me in that way. And that's what the ebook is about too. That's where that came from but I am not a trauma specialist. I do not claim to be. And I'm always very clear with individuals that in no way am I guaranteeing that this is more for emotional health and it's not therapy, just to be on the safe side. Yes, of course. The, is uh, Well, we're in a transition phase now when it comes to where people place their faith in healing and the allopathic, which is pharmaceutically driven versus a, a number of alternative modalities that are facing a variety of challenges. And of course, the fact that most people have been oriented towards a person in a white coat with a stethoscope having all the answers. Mm -hmm. But that is definitely shifting and people are starting to take responsibility for their own well-being and the whole notion of preventive medicine in terms of proper maintenance looking after the temple, the vessel that you're occupying is certainly uh, the responsibility of each and every one of us. But having guides like yourself who can walk us through, we all have blind spots and filters that we need to surmount. And that's what I have found the beauty of being a shamanic practitioner is you reap the benefits with respect to who you're working with. Um, yes. Many times the people that have the same issues you do, <laughs> ones that end up at your door. Yeah, I, I found that out as well. Burr, 
I love that name, by the way. Whenever I do uh, shamanic work and I have to go to, into an altered state, I use myrrh as my go-to. So it's um, a nickname so, that my dad gave me. It's it's so lovely, absolutely, and so fitting. I wanted to ask you what your observations have been. There has been so much talk about the 432 hertz and the Schumann resonance and the fact that the Schumann resonance is changing and that it has fluctuated and has had these massive spurts, whether that's related to solar flare activity or the earth changing. And many people are saying she's transcending and we are at a dimensional corridor. Have you had any experience from a sound standpoint about having to make those adjustments? Yes. When Early on, when the Schumann resonance started to shift drastically and people were, they were whacked out, you know, they weren't used to it. They were like, what's just going on? It's the Schumann resonance. And I did a series of sound bites for people to help bring them back into balance. And as people got used to this, that was no longer necessary. But it is upping. And I really think it's part of our, I know it's part of our evolution. I know it's part of the Earth's evolution. As far as where it's going to go or what it's going to look like, I really don't know. I don't. I mean, I know I've heard so many different things. Oh, the ship is coming to take us home. And I'm not so sure. I think this is the ship that we're on right now. (laughs) We're escorting it as we evolve. I think we escort Earth, Mother Earth, in that journey as well. In many Indigenous teachings, they are advocating that we are the stewards mm-hmm. for this planet. And our hearts are completely tied. That has been proven scientifically, yes. that our, our hearts beat to the same rhythm as this planet's heart beats. And uh, we just need to get reconnected and reacquainted to some degree. I'm on a soapbox about this because I almost mentioned it. <laughs> Every I like your soapbox. Keep going. Uh, well, this notion of technology taking us away from these experiences, just like the one you shared. Granted, uh, it is technology that gave us the opportunity to connect, even though we're not in the same place. But to what degree do you feel that part of what is currently potentially holding back humanity is the fact that there is such a reliance on machines that reconnection is a little bit difficult for those who are opting into connecting only by way of their phones and uh, Zoom and what have you and replacing that with actual human contact when the opportunity presents. I agree with you. It's disturbing. Also, the, the rumors that we are going to become machines. I mean, that's terrifying to me. Why would you do that to a human being. I mean, we are so far evolved than any technology. You can't replicate that. Whatever that is, I have stepped back a lot from working with my phone. I just don't like it. I don't have very much on my phone at all. If I need something, I'll go onto my computer and I'm backing off on that too. Just the other day, I was thinking, How did so many people get my email? Because all I'm getting are solicitations. And it's just one email after another. And I don't know half these people. And it's my personal email. It's not the one that's on YouTube or whatever. So I think lists are being sold. And I think part of it is the lockdown. Two years of our lives and people are getting out there, getting their stuff out there. Here, I'm here, I'm here. And I'm going the opposite direction. I'm just just hanging, you know, hanging with my fabrics (laughs) and my bowls. (laughs) I hope it doesn't get so extreme that we, well, I don't know. I don't think I'll be here when that happens. (laughs) I don't know if I could, I could handle that, but I don't understand. When I ground, I ground down into Mother Earth's beautiful rose quartz beating heart, her crystalline heart. And that is how I ground. And when I breathe that up, it is just so magnificent. How could you, how could you want to destroy something like that? There are a lot of people who do. A lot of people who are relying more on machines and 
and technology and they're taking the human touch away. I think you're a representation of a choice that we have to make. And if we are polarized to a point where there's a bifurcation and people say, I'm either opting in or out of that level of digital infrastructure, then the fact that you are giving people a chance to experience something else that is much more nature specific mm -hmm. and aligned with the natural creative forces of our universe, mm -hmm. then that would give a lot of people great hope and comfort, in my opinion. So you must keep doing what you're doing. And it is work that has such significance that I can't even possibly articulate how valuable you are with respect to what it is that you're doing. Um, for the children, we look at it in terms of the future for our children's children. And you mentioned Crystal Heart. Now, I don't know if you're familiar, but uh, in my own research, I have seen these remarkable tuning forks that are made of crystal. They're not made of metal. Have oh, yeah, you, I've seen those. I don't I, have one yet. There are, oh, they're, <laughs> you might get one. They're $2,000, so yeah, I'm saving up. <laughs> like, but mm -hmm. have, have you had an opportunity to experience the difference between the forks that you have? And I'm not saying that there is one better than the other. I know I that they're know different totally by different. virtue of the material. I It's interesting because for many years, I played only Tibetan bowls. And then I got my two crystal bowls and that, those are my babies. Those and two of the Tibetan, those are the ones that I play. But I see them as having a different effect on people. Tibetan bowls and the, the metal tuning forks are really good for grounding people. And the crystalline are the ones that not shatter, but they open up abruptly energy for people, I think, at least in my experience. If I'm working with somebody and and there's a definite issue with the heart as far as emotional, I will use my tuning forks. But if the issue is physical, I will use a crystal bowl because it's an opening. It's like it just shatters something inside that's covering it up. Well, this is indeed where the magic comes into play and trusting your intuition is by no means something that is a bad thing. We just need to get reacquainted with that intelligence because <laughs> yes. it hasn't been fostered or even recognized. When was the last time you got a raise for your gut feeling? This is where, and I think a lot of it has to do with the divine feminine rising and the fact that this nurturing supportive energy has been so deeply lacking and mm -hmm. women have been ostracized by having those qualities because they don't fit with a competitive top-down structure, but that is dissolving. It is falling apart and as toxic as it is, I'm not going to be sorry to see it go, but we need people like you to establish a foundation that we can build on where the capacity to create and restructure our most important institutions can be something that we do from an inspired place, not a broken, wounded place. Exactly. So part of the healing, though, is actually playing and that whole idea of exploring the world as a child would without fear or without these preconceived ideas of or anticipating what's going to happen based on previous experience. How much of what you have been working with have you noticed people responding to when it comes to just simply let's get together and see what happens and let's just have it un organically unfold? Are you finding that people are now starting to really want to approach this from that type yeah. of childlike attitude? It's interesting because where I moved is a very small town south of Asheville. And I couldn't figure out exactly why I was here because it's it's very small. And <laughs> it's kind of like Boulder, but where I used to live, but it's it's really small and it's farm town. And I'm I bought a house with an acre on my land and and that's my homestead. But the people here are less driven than the individuals that I've encountered in Asheville. Not all of them. Not all of them that work in Asheville live in Asheville. Some of them live in the outlying and they have farms, they have property. 
I'm talking about the, the individuals who are growing the big businesses there or part of the big businesses. What I notice here is that most of my friends, particularly female friends who have the kids with special needs that I work with, they all live here. They all have farms. They have farm animals. They have gardens. And this is, then they homeschool their kids. So their children have that root foundation of being on the land, of connecting with the mother, physically in the mother. And so they were naturals. When I play the bowls with them, they're gone. Oh, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> Do this all day. It's really interesting that I used to be of that world early on. And when everything shifted and I found sound and energy and I, I never wanted to go back because I really, it feels uh, totally authentic. It feels like who we truly are. And I hope more and more people gravitate to that. I do regular events here and I regularly invite a lot, especially women. It's, I'm all about inviting women. And so we have a nice group of women that show up and it's growing. It's growing, but there are a lot of, I call them patriot groups here, and they're run by men, but they're heart-centered men. They're all about the divine feminine. They're all about, they're all about that balance of carrying that. So I'm hopeful. I am really hopeful that, that it continues to grow and that more and more individuals, when they're exposed to some of the healing modalities and some of the things that we do in groups, that they'll go, huh, this is cool. We'll see. Well, community building is where it starts. And it's always good to start small and then just watch that pebble that was thrown into the pond ripple out into the universe and expand. And I think it's going to expand at breakneck speed. At least that's the way I'm feeling about it. Okay. Can you please give us a little more information on the inception of this magnificent card deck that you've created? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. So I started getting these. Okay. So I went through all four levels of Reiki at breakneck speed in less than three months because I, I was on fire. I knew this was what I was supposed to do. And then I moved to Boulder. I was in Minneapolis. I was working for a big company. And after September 11th, they went out of business and they'd been in business since the fifties. Plan B, I attempted to get a healing practice off, off the ground and it didn't work. And a friend of mine from Minneapolis, where I used to live, connected me with a man in Boulder. And she said, you guys need to meet. And we hit it off. And he drove to Minneapolis to move me to Boulder. We rented a truck, loaded all my things. I lived with him for about a year and we said, bye. And he ended up getting married to a woman that we both knew. In the meantime, the card deck, while I was with him, I was beginning to get a lot of symbols. And I'm like, I have no idea <laughs> what do what I'm supposed to do with these. I was given a guide to take me into this vessel where all these light language symbols were. And I was to draw them and I got the meaning of them. I got the name in light language. And I was told to just draw them. And the first 11 were of the divine feminine. They have been, so I've created a website around this, put all of these up there with the anchor. There's an anchoring ceremony that goes with these. And they have been anchored in sacred sites all over the world. And they're still available on my website. But I had people calling me saying, I anchored these in the Great Pyramid. In Egypt, I anchored these in Glastonbury well. I anchored these at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. I mean, I was just floored. I, I had no idea what to do with this. And then I got a phone call. Do you remember when the, the tsunami hit the coast that was headed for the coast of Australia? I had a friend of mine contact me who lived in Australia. She was indigenous. And she said, we're going to do the anchoring ceremony in my daughter's wedding ceremony on Mount Uluru. 
This was a month before the tsunami hit, okay? And I got full, I'm still getting full body goosebumps. And she called me back after the tsunami because I tried to get a hold of her. The guy's all right. And she called me back and she says, you're not going to believe this. But we did the anchoring ceremony and it was amazing. And we had some things happen during the wedding ceremony that pointed to this. She said, but I got that the reason that the tsunami missed the coast of Australia is because we did anchor these symbols. So I continue to do them. I do them on my own. Sometimes I'll have a gathering of women. I'll do like a house blessing with the anchoring there, but they evolved into <laughs> 52. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, now what? <laughs> Cause I was hand painting these on silk and I had 52 pieces of silk and they said, mount them and photograph them. And they're going to be a card deck. I just started getting this information about the deck and how to work with it and the meanings of the cards were and that deck was completed in 2007 and I printed a short run because I knew that they were not mainstream and it's interesting that I have people who find me who order the deck including a Baptist minister who uses this in his or his counseling sessions with his parishioners so you just never know you just never know well, if you're open and your heart centered, the information comes through you and is brought to those who need it. And I have no doubt in my mind that you're one of those people. Now, tie this into that ebook that you've you've created and how people can use that for their own growth and evolution. Well, I experienced a lot of trauma as a child, and it took me a long time to work through it. The things that I studied, I actually studied for myself for healing. And it was interesting when I was in Landmark, the very first, the forum, the very first gathering that I did, we had to stand up and tell our story. And it was the first time that I gave voice to the sexual abuse that I had experienced as a child. And I was terrified that I would be judged. I was terrified. I was shaking in my shoes. I was so scared. And my forum leader was an MD who left his practice to become a forum leader. He believed in landmark educations that much. And he was so compassionate and he said, unfortunately, this happens way too many times. He said, but look around. He said, look around at, at the power of your telling your story. And there was a young man in the front row who was bent double and he was just sobbing and shaking and shaking and shaking. And I was amazed at the outpouring of love and the people that came up to me afterwards that thanked me for sharing that story because it opened the door for them to really deal with things that happened in their life that they had never given voice to. And so about two, three years ago, I started writing this workbook as a way for people to move through adversity and trauma that they'd experienced that they hadn't dealt with. Now, I'm not a therapist, and I have a disclaimer front and center in the front of the book. If you've had severe trauma, go to a therapist. This is to be used as a journaling tool. But I did gatherings with women in, in Boulder around this before it became a book. And it was based on my experience, based on power that I experienced when I told my story originally and how I noticed just how much it opened the door for people to be not only honest with themselves, but also to be a catalyst for change for others too. And that's why I wrote the book. I mean, it's, it's available for download. It's One there. soul at a time, I think in many instances, and it's also just a question of people being made aware that this exists. So mm. rest assured that we are going to broadcast this as we are. And I'm certain that traffic will be generated because there is a very big need. The whole notion of finding your voice and for women, that is tenfold mm -hmm. important because 
the fifth chakra and the second chakra are tied together. So this whole idea of that creative center where the womb resides and how connected it is to our throats. And if there is any kind of trauma, you'll almost always find some kind of throat situation or, exactly. a, or a voice issue. So it is quite magnificent that you have combined all of these things, regardless of how a person processes. See, I'm a visual learner and I respond to visual cues, but you've run the gamut. You, you're covering all of those. So someone who processes from an audio standpoint, you've got the sound and then there are those who are much more capable of releasing by way of writing. So that pretty much covers all the bases. And it would be of value to everyone, regardless of uh, where they find themselves. My hope is to do a series of videos leading people through each one of the levels so that they understand more fully. I mean, my story is in the very front of the book and the why, the why that I wrote this and why I've always been an advocate for trauma healing because it holds us back in so many ways. And you talk about the voice. I had no voice. I had no voice as a child. I actually, well, I sang, but when I got older, I stopped singing for quite a long time. And that is the most creative expression that you can use the voice for along with speaking. But it was interesting. I, I want people to understand that there are tools there if they're un, not to take the place of therapy, but even individuals who are sensitive that didn't have major trauma, but still have things that happen that they're in the brain and it's just kind of going round and round like a monkey. This might be of assistance. Anything that brings about peace. And I don't know anyone who hasn't been traumatized over the last two years, quite frankly. So this is all the more reason why it is imperative that people are made aware of ways in which they can find answers to the dilemmas that they find themselves in, not just with respect to current medical practice, but as an addendum or to further enhance the processing to minimize the amount of suffering and the length with which it takes to arrive at some point of balance and then just staying in that place of balance and rekindling the joy of living. Yeah. And it's really powerful to do this in a group, particularly a group of women. When you can bring in the sound and art, processing art, we used to do that day-long retreats. These amazing glyphs that you created, the fact that you put them on silk, I think the vibration of the silk gives it a whole other elevation of resonance, undoubtedly. Did that just come to you with the whole notion of creating these glyphs? No, actually, I was a textile artist for years before that, and I, was, I worked with silk. I was, did shibori dye, which is a Japanese technique. And I did a lot of different shows, many shows for like 12 years. And then all of this happened after September 11th. I got divorced. It was like, oh my God. But I do have one of, well, here's one. I can reach this. This is my personal soul symbol that I did for me. Wow. Wow. But I have others and some of them are quite large. Most of them are of this size, but some of them are quite large. Uh, for those of our listeners who don't have the benefit of the visuals, there is a very serpentine quality to, to that particular glyph. And of course, people have these negative views of snake medicine, but it is the key to wisdom. And it is also, it's a portal to that feminine kundalini fire. And most assuredly, it is a place of power. So it makes total sense to me that that would be a signature for you personally, and it, it makes the, the most sense. Murr, I can't thank you enough for giving of your time. And I'm sure that we're going to have more conversations in the future. I would love can that. Can you please share the YouTube channel and the website where people can avail themselves of all of these lovely tools that you have made available? Yes. So my website is Creative Divine Studios all one word, dot com. And that's D-I-V-I-N-E, not D-E-V-I-N-E. My YouTube channel is just type in Murhaven, M-I-M-Y-R-R-H-H-A-V-E-N 1111. 
when you're on YouTube and you'll go right to it. The other thing that I have, oh, if you want to listen to some of the replays of the radio show that I have, if you go to, it's Journeys into the Heart of Vibration. So you would go to voiceamerica.com forward slash show forward slash 3829 and then forward slash journeys hyphen into the hyphen heart hyphen of hyphen vibration. Don't worry, I'll put links up. uh, Okay. So people will be readily capable of just clicking and arriving. Yes. Do you have any parting words for those who are still in the throes of trying to cope with radical change? What advice would you give? You know, I would say find something that brings you peace and stick with it, whether it's yoga, whether it's walking in nature, whether it's swimming or whatever it is, it's important to get out of yourself. Because when you're in yourself and in that place of angst, it just perpetuates and it will fill your whole being. Even if you can just go outside, take your shoes off, stand on the grass and just feel your heart energy go straight down your body and out your feet and let your toes grow roots and send those down into mother earth. And imagine that her heart is this beautiful rose quartz beating heart. And just, she's just holding you. She's taking all that stuff. Just give it to her. That's her food. Just give it to her and then breathe her up into your heart and let her hold you. And trust me, it works. It really works. That's what I suggest. Spoken like a true goddess. Thank you for raising the divine feminine back to its place of proper Mm. balance. And I hope to reconnect with you in the very near future, Mer. All the best. Blessings to you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.